0: Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. Hey, before we jump into the lesson, which I'm really, really excited about, um, I want to put a date on. In your head, and that is May 10th. And May 10th, I'll be in the Atlanta area. So all of you that listen to this podcast in the Atlanta area, I need you because on May the 10th, we will be doing a roundtable in Norcross, Georgia, just a little bit north of downtown Atlanta, I need you there. And the reason I need you there is that I'm learning more and more. It's one thing to listen. It's another thing to be in the room. When you listen, what happens is you learn leadership. When you're in the room, you multiply leadership. The biggest jumps I've ever made as a leader are from being in the room. Now, we're going to be at a great church of two great friends of mine, uh, Johnson Bowie and Dennis Rouse, and I want to encourage you, you can go to my webpage and sign up. Second set of dates are October 20th and 21st. That's the North Texas Leadership Conference. Now, this conference is sold out as far as full registrations. But we do have partial registrations. And these partial registrations get you in the room and they get you in a dynamic leadership environment. The quality of leaders that are in this room is just overwhelming. You cannot be in this room without growing your influence and your impact. So if you have not signed up to be in the room for October 20th and 21st, please do. But all of you in the Atlanta area, May 10th, I'm coming to you. You come be in the room. I really, really believe you'll walk away and say, wow, this was a great opportunity. Hey, today I have a lesson I'm really, really excited about and uh, a little bit of jeopardy saying this, um, I enjoy every lesson that I communicate, but this particular lesson, I believe, is going to be so helpful because you can dissect it. And there are layers within it that are profoundly deep leadership thoughts that will help you take a journey so what I want to do is I want to talk to you about navigating leadership navigating leadership so we're just going to take this word leadership and we're going to take a a journey through it and the the way you would go to a, a national park and you would have a guide to really direct you and and to see the best of the best and get the most out of the moment. That's what I want to do. So navigating leadership. If we're going to navigate leadership, then we have to start with some common myths about leadership, some common myths. There's some things that we have to eliminate for leadership to really, really be profound. And so common myths, the first is the formula myth. It is the formula myth. And the formula myth goes like this. It says that leadership is a static list of qualities. It's just this static list. So we give seven or eight things and say leadership, this, leadership, this, leadership, this. And and it's just these lists. But the reality is, is that leadership isn't a list of character qualities or motivational functions. Leadership is more dynamic than that. And so when you have a list of what a leader is without the context of that leader, you lose insight. So imagine that you were examining Winston Churchill and you were looking at him But you didn't know it was World War II. And you didn't know the context of what he was leading in. Imagine that you were Abraham Lincoln. And as Abraham Lincoln, you don't have the context of the union being divided and slavery being fought over. Well, what we can do is we can give you a list, but every list is defined by its context. So you have a unique context. And so I can give you a list of 10 things that a leader is and all those things are probably true. But what I can tell you is depending on your context, I can't tell you that number four characteristic isn't more important than number one, given the context that you're in. The number two characteristic shouldn't be number 10 because the context Text begins to be defining in leadership. So, the myth that leadership is just a formula it's not, it's not just a series of qualities, it's bigger than that. The second thing that it's about contribution the myth of contribution. See, contribution goes this way look at what I've achieved. Look at what I've achieved and see the problem with contribution is that its focus is on the leader, but not the individuals around the leader, not the people who are around that help. Years ago, uh, there was a book that was written called A Star is Born. Now, this is decades old book. In this book, A Star is Born was written about Bell Labs. This is before the government came in and said, uh, Bell was just too big and divided it up into all of the companies we have today. But the Bell Labs were the uh, premier place where thoughts were being developed and electronics and technology. And these thoughts that were being developed were just exploding the marketplace. So they wanted to go and look at the leaders at Bell Labs. So they would look at this individual who had made this great contribution. But what they found was this. Any contribution made by a leader could not be taken out of focus of the people around And so many times these people began to say, well, I'm the one who achieved this, and they went and took another job. But when you took them away from all the people they were used to working with, they were not effective. Why? Because your contribution is always based on other people's involvement. So like in baseball, I can be the number three hitter in the baseball lineup. But if I have a number four hitter that is killing it, then what it means in baseball, I'm probably going to see more fastballs, which most baseball players can hit easier than any other pitch because they don't want the person behind me to come up to bat. And see, the person behind me is affecting the kind of pitch that I get. little too much baseball, I think, for some of you. But just understand this. The first myth is formula, that somehow you can come up with a list and that equals leadership. The second is contribution, that someone is a great contributor in a certain environment, but if you take them out of that environment, they're not. The third myth is the myth of results. And the myth of results goes like this. It's all about outcomes without cost or consequences. So just get to the bottom line. And there are people who are very prolific at being able to get to the bottom line, but in getting to the bottom line, they literally destroy everything between them and the bottom line. So three myths. The formula myth that somehow I can just give you a list, and if you do these seven things, you're a leader. The contribution, I can look at you and say you're a leader without taking into focus all the people around that contribute. The result, that somehow you achieve great results, but you do so without considering cost and consequences. So if you're going to navigate leadership, you've got to eliminate those three things. That brings us to number two, creating the environment for leadership, creating the environment. Several months ago, I picked up an article that was really intriguing to me. It was about Olympic athletes, Olympic athletes, and it was talking about how they trained. And for Olympic athletes, they had this simple rule that they called the rule of thirds, The rule of thirds. And what it said was that when you're training to get better and to be better than your best, what's going to happen is this. You are going to feel good a third of the time. So when you're training, you're just going to feel good. Man, I really did a good job today. This was really, really good. And so you'll feel good a third of the time you'll feel okay a third of the time. Well, I didn't feel my best. I didn't feel my worst. And so a third of the time, you'll just feel okay. And then there'll be a third of the time that you just feel crummy. Man, I'm not sure I got anything done today. So it's the rule of thirds. Feel good a third of the time. Okay, a third of the time. Crummy a third of the time. Now, here's what they say. If you feel good all the time, then that means you're not growing and you're not excelling. So if every day I just feel good about whatever I'm trying to produce and I just feel, man, I walked away from this and and it was just really, really good. I did good today. If you're feeling good all the time, then you're not developing and you're not growing. Now, if you're feeling crummy all the time, then what that means is you're not replenishing. You're not recharging your batteries. Because if every day you walk away, man, this was just the toughest thing I've ever done. This is just the worst thing I've ever been through. If you're feeling crummy all the time, you're not replenishing. But if you're okay all the time, you're losing your edge. So if I'm just okay, hey, not bad, not good, then I'm losing the edge. And what they say is that Olympic performers have learned the thirds. That in your training, it's all right to feel good some of the time. It's also all right to feel okay some of the time. And it's also all right to feel crummy some of the time. But if you're doing one of those all the time, it's a problem. But if you're doing each of those some of the time, it means that you're advancing. And so I want you to take those into your circumstance. You walk into whatever your leadership environment is. If you feel good all the time, then there's probably no growth happening. If you feel crummy all the time, then you're probably at a place where you need some serious recharging and renewal. But if you're okay all the time, then you're losing your edge. So, you've got to understand that you've got to create an environment where you're feeling good, you're feeling a little crummy, and you're feeling okay And that is what normal growth leadership feels like. That brings us to number three, an overview of leadership, an overview of leadership. Now, if you take an overview of leadership, we know that leaders are handed problems. And the challenge is, is not to become problem conscious but know that you are going to be handled, handed problems. Now, here's the thing. For a lot of leaders, they learn technical challenges. And what technical challenges are is they manage by experience and knowledge. Now, see, I've done what I do for 44 years. And because of that, I've accumulated a great resource of experience. Not just my experiences, but others' experiences. And because I've seen so much, been through so much, and have been a part of so much, I have a high technical ability to manage. And what that means is when things happen, I can draw from experience and I can draw from knowledge. And one of the things that You constantly saw Jesus do was Jesus was always uh, referring back. He says, You have heard that it was said of old. What is he talking about? Drawing from the vault of experience. So, if you're going to do an overview of leadership, there's going to be some people who have technical skills, they've done it long enough. They've done it frequently enough that they have experience and knowledge that they can apply to a given problem and circumstance. So if you're going to overview leadership, you understand that there are are technical uh, bandwidths and technical skills that you develop. You grow in experience, you grow in knowledge, and because of that, you're able to make application. Now, let me say this. Maybe you're over at the other end and you don't have a lot of technical. Here's the reason I say be in the room. If you don't have it, borrow it. Because sometimes my job is to borrow from someone who has something that I don't have. And when you're in the room, you create a relationship level where you can begin to borrow from people that you would not be able to borrow from. So when you overview leadership, there's going to be challenges that come. Some of them can be resolved with technical abilities that have been gained over a period of time. Secondly, there's adaptive skills. And adaptive skills are instinct, they're intuitive, they're innovation. It's thinking out of the box. It's going beyond just applying a formula. See, there are times when I can technically apply knowledge and it works, but there are times when the knowledge that I have is inadequate. So I have to be adaptive and that's where instincts, intuitive innovation, thinking out of the box come in. This is Paul at Mars Hill. This is Paul looking and saying to the people, I see that you worship an unknown God. Let me tell you who that unknown God is. What did he do? He adapted to the moment. So if you're going to be a leader, you're going to have to overview leadership. And some of it's going to be technical, but some of it's going to be adaptive. Some of it's going to be from experience that you draw or you borrow. Some of it's going to be adaptive. It's going to be instinctive that you take what you know and you package it a little bit different. The third are dynamic skills. This involves the the unexpected and the uncertain and the unknown. This is what people were thrown into when COVID happened. All of a sudden, the playing field changed. The timetable came to a halt. And so there were dynamic uh, skills required that you had to go back and handle uh, the unexpected, the uncertain, and the unknown. See, God did something unexpected in Acts chapter 10. And he violated all the rules and he let Cornelius, a centurion, become a person of faith. Without that individual becoming a Jewish convert first, it was a dynamic change that required them to manage the unexpected. So what happened? In Acts chapter 15, they gathered together and proponents of all sides began to talk. See, in dynamic change, you always want to gather information first. But eventually, information has to be distilled into practices. So what happened, James, the brother of Jesus, the head of the Jerusalem church, after hearing everything, gave some very, very simple statements that God, by his own actions, had demonstrated The people did not have to live under the burden of the Jewish law, but that they could come under the characteristic of grace. It was a dynamic change. So what did they do? They adapted. They began to apply new practices for people. So here's the thing, if you're going to overview leadership, then you know there's going to be times when you're going to need to be technical. You're going to have to manage by experience and knowledge, or you're going to have to borrow it in the way that Jesus said, you have heard that it was said of old an adaptive circumstances, you have to have adaptive skills where you are instinctive, intuitive, and innovative. And you think out of the box and you're like Paul at Mars Hill. You take the truth, but you adapt it to a particular group of people that it can be administered to. And then dynamic changes and challenges when when something that just totally changes the playing field. And so you begin to be like James in Acts chapter 15, and you gather information, but you formulate what new practices and best practices should be. Now, once you do an overview, you need to do something else. You need to filter leadership through your personality. And, and everyone doesn't have the same personality when it comes to leadership. See, one of the personalities in leadership is the engineer. They understand what others do not understand. They are gifted at the structure of leadership. So this is Exodus 18 when Jethro comes in and tells Moses, the thing that you're doing is not good. And they adjust the structure. What was Jethro being? He was being the engineer. There's the relationship personality. They invest in others who do not or are, are not invested in frequently. This would be Barnabas. He invested in Paul before anyone else would invest. It's individual investment. So you have the engineer who knows the structure of the organization, but you have the relationship individual who makes individual investments in people in the organization. And then you have the purpose personality. They have a passion that other people do not. And that passion is what fuels the mission. And so there's something in them. It's Paul saying, none of these things move me. Why? He had a passion. I'm putting behind everything and pressing towards the prize. He had a cause. It's it's David. Is there not a God in Israel challenging Goliath? So you have these various personalities, the engineer that understands the structure, the relationship who understands individuals, and then you have the purpose. They are filled with passion because they have a cause. The intuitive, they see what others do not see. They're instinctive. Somehow they walk in and and it's just clear to them. It's just instinct. And then there's the risk. They take steps that others don't take. And as a result of that, they demonstrate what Joshua had, where God said, Be you courageous. And how frequently God said courage was a part of Joshua's journey. Why he's going someplace that no one had gone and he's going to do things that no one had done. So let me just try to weave this all together. You've got to eliminate some of the myths, the formula that somehow it's just the list of things and that makes you a leader. The contribution that, that, that you think you're doing good and you don't realize the people around you that are helping. The results, it's all about outcomes and you don't care about the consequences. You've got to clean that off the table. You've got to create the environment for leadership. You've got to understand that. If you're good all the time, you're not growing. If you're not feeling crummy all the time, or if you are feeling crummy all the time, you're not replenishing. And if you are okay all the time, you're probably losing your edge. And then you've got to understand that that leadership involves technical skills where you manage by experience or you borrow from. Adaptive skills where instinct and intuition begin to take over. And then dynamic challenges where where you begin to handle the unexpected and the uncertain. And then you've got to learn you. And you've got to figure out, are you the engineer who understands what others do not understand? Are you relationship where you invest where others do not invest? Do you have a purpose where you have a passion that other people do not? Are you intuitive that you see what others do not see? And do you risk, do you take steps that others do not take? I'm just telling you what I just gave you is so deep when it comes to leadership. And I would encourage you to write this down, whatever your format is, old school like me, get you a yellow pad, write all this down, and begin to do that self-analysis on you. Then begin to do that analysis on your team. Then begin to do that analysis on your organization. And walk away with some action steps. I think if you do this, You're going to find yourself navigating leadership better than you've ever navigated. Hey, May 10th, I need you. All of you in Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, come and join me on May 10th at Norcross. I need you there. When you're in the room, you're going to grow and multiply like you never have. October 20th and 21st, it puts you in a place where uh, you are just going to be able to be in a room with some of the finest leaders I know. So you can go to Gerald Brooks Ministries. You can sign up there. I want to encourage you to do that. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.